Hello, my beauties, and welcome to a brand new episode of Tea Talk with Shaw. Today, we're going to be talking about some crazy new trending topics, as well as an important update about an issue that's going on in Nigeria that affects us all. So please stay tuned to this exciting new episode. Okay, beauties, let's get into these trending topics. So the first trending topic for today is the Braxton family feud. Um, Tamar's show, Tamar Get Your Life, is progressing. And as we continue to look into the show, we see that Tamar is having issues with David and how he relates to the dream work that she's doing with her dream work coach, Goalie. And David feels like this energy is connected to a spirit that's ungodlike and he doesn't feel comfortable with it. So it's starting to make him look like he's not supportive and it's starting to make him look bad in the public's eyes. So Tony Braxton has chimed in about David mentioning her kids. Now, we don't know how David mentioned her children, but in some way he must have spoke on her children. And this really, really upset Tony. Um, and it, oddly enough, Tamar didn't come to Tony's defense. It seemed like she was defending David and she messaged back in an Instagram post, um, nobody wins when the family feuds. Now, what I think about this is kind of interesting. So Tamar and David had all these issues earlier this year. You know, he has a restraining order against her with LAPD and he feels like she put his life at risk. Um, but at the same time, Tamar is also not dismissing David saying, you know, forget about him. He was somebody tried to come into our family. He wasn't really a part of our family. Instead, she says nobody wins when the family feuds. But my question is, when did David become family? You know, and this is why I think Tamar is not completely done with David, because if she still feels like he's family, how is he family? That's not Logan's father. You two are no longer dating. How is he in any way a part of anything that's going on with the family? Now, my other suspicion is that this may relate to the filming of Braxton Family Values that was going on continuously during Tamar Get Your Life or before because it's coming back out in November. So I think that because David was probably involved in both shows, he is still around due to money that hasn't been paid or issues that are going on between the two of them. So I can't confirm that, but I believe that could be what's going on, that what's keeping David in the picture, but more to follow because this seems like it's not going away anytime soon, unfortunately. So moving on to the next topic, Cardi had a wild 28th birthday party. Cardi B turned 28 over the weekend and she had a wild party in Vegas, um, complete with a Rolls Royce as a birthday gift. Uh, there was tons of guests there twerking, drinking cakes, luxurious meals, um, Kylie gave her a Birkin and the part that everyone's talking about Offset was invited and did pull up to the event and he's actually the person that bought her the roles so a couple weeks ago we talked about Cardi filing from for divorce from Offset and she did go ahead and file those papers that she doesn't want to be married to Offset anymore 
but that they will continue to co-parent their child. And if need be, she will ask for child support to make sure that culture enjoys the same lifestyle that she does now. Well, a few weeks later, during her birthday celebration, people were shocked to see the couple, or I guess the estranged couple, together for her birthday, the huge car that he bought her, and basically being there all weekend as she celebrated her 28th birthday with the rest of her friends. Now, Cardi did make it very clear that she is still single, um, but... It looks like she's still enjoying her husband as well. I don't know. I say live your life. I forget how young Cardi is. She's actually younger than me. So I forget how young she is and how overwhelming all this fame and motherhood and everything else must be um, when you're in the public eye doing it as well. So I say live it up. You know, if you decide to reconcile and, you know, you can get on the same page, great. If you don't and you just wanted to turn up and enjoy your birthday weekend, also great. You know, I think people are trying to look too much into it. Like they've never been in a situation where, you were dealing with someone, you stopped dealing with them, and now you're dealing with them again. I mean, it's happened to all of us. So I really think it's funny that people can try to judge. But at the end of the day, you know, she's living her life, doing what she wants to do. She's not hurting anyone. What I will say is, even though I love my girl Cardi, there were no masks at this party. People were extremely close to each other, and people were coming from different areas because, you know, it was star studded. Bobby Lights was there. Um, city girls, basically a lot of people were there in small areas, small confined areas. And I don't know if she tested people. I don't know if she took temperatures. All I know is that there was a lot of people around each other, really close with no masks on. So not the best example for the public to be throwing this kind of party in a pandemic because we still are in a pandemic people. We have to keep that in mind. Um, but I'm glad she had a good time. So let's move on to the next trending topic. So Big Sean is trending because he revealed in an interview that he only got paid $15,000 when he signed to Good Music. Now, Good Music is Kanye West's record label, and Kanye was recently tweeting about being a slave to Sony and Universal and other people that own the music and the artists don't see a lot of the money because the record company owns the music. Well, basically, Big Sean turned around and said, you did the same thing to me. Um, Big Sean's first album, I believe, went double platinum, and he only received $15,000 up front to make the album, which is, you know, barely any money as compared to what the album made. And then Kanye also talked about, you know, letting his artists receive 50% of their masters and stuff like that. But it's just really hypocrisy to me when he talks about these huge record labels because he made some of his wealth off of his artists and not paying his artists what they were due. So it's just, you know, it's a whole thing that goes around and around and around, but that's what makes it a music industry and not just people free sharing music because they wouldn't put all this effort and money into someone that they didn't think they could make profit on because if it was fair, you know, they would provide the supplies, they would get paid back what they put into it and the artists would get the profit, but that's not how it works, you know, because the artists can't afford to pay the upfront costs. So the record companies end up making the majority of that money because they're signing deals they don't understand. And this kind of goes back to anybody. Don't sign anything you do not fully understand. 
if you have to take a few days to review something that you're signing yourself into contractually, take a few days to look at it. Look at what you're getting. Look at what they're getting. And there's a lot of free resources online that can help explain some of the legal terms um, and just and begin to read some of the things that you're signing on to, especially those that are, you know, getting student loans or you're getting that loan for your master's postgraduate degree, make sure you're reading all that information because you could be tying yourself into something you do not want to tie yourself into. So it can really be a lesson for everybody. But I hope that Kanye does turn around and do the right thing for his artists because I remember really enjoying good music and I wish that the artists would have gotten paid off of those early projects because they were really, really good. All right, let's move on to the next trending topic. So we're going to do a big Housewives update because there's tons of stuff going on with Housewives right now. So let's get into it. So for Potomac, Ashley revealed that she is pregnant again among the cheating rumors of her husband. Well, not even rumors anymore. Her husband was caught cheating. This has to be like the third time. And in previous seasons, he was also accused of harassing the crew that films Real Housewives of Potomac. And he had to settle in court with them because he was touching them and sexually harassing some of the film crew. So Ashley is pregnant. She said she's about 20 weeks Um and, you know, she's getting there with her baby. But the other castmates really want her to leave because they feel like Ashley's not being respected. You know, he's just doing whatever he wants to do. And it just causes her to be embarrassed and hurt every single time. But she doesn't seem to be really learning from her situation or what's going on in their marriage. So in other Potomac news, Candace wants to press charges against Monique. The ladies fought last week or a couple weeks ago at the winery and Candace is basically asking the other ladies what she should do. Um, Karen says if it was her, she would have definitely pressed charges and, um, Giselle gives her two cents that she also was ashamed of Monique's actions and the rest of the girls basically ganged up on Monique, um, to basically tell her how messed up she was for dragging Candace in that winery. You know, I honestly hate when Bravo does this because I'm sure by watching these last few episodes, they told Potomac to step it up or get cut. There are new franchises coming into Housewives every year. And if the ones that are there are not pulling their weight, they will just be cut and forgot about, i.e. Miami, um, D.C., and a few others that just did not make it as franchises. So this is in the back of their mind as they're going into this season that was already pushed back, mind you. So they're trying to really create the drama. Then Monique gets physical, which is something that they never really condoned. But for all intents and purposes, she just pulled that lady's hair. There was a table in between the two of them. Nothing really serious happened to Candace, but whatever. Somebody puts their hands on you that is assault and you can go ahead and press charges if that's something that you want to do. I remember when Kenya pressed charges against Portia and Portia did have to turn herself into jail, um, into the police and, you know, get her mugshot and go through the whole bit. So if that is something that Candace wants to do, then she should do it. But this whole continuous bashing of Monique over and over episode after episode, like who wants to watch that? I don't, you know, and the only reason why some of the rest of them haven't been in physical fights is because they can't fight. 
and for Giselle and whoever else to talk about how this makes them look as a role model. I'm like, ma'am, you're going back to a man who fully cheated on you and fully did not care. Even your own dad doesn't support it. So I don't think anybody really has room to talk. Ashley pregnant by a cheater. Karen don't even know where her husband is half the time. And if she could keep all her money and divorce him, she would. I don't even want to start reading the Potomac cast because I could just go. There's books full of reads. So basically nobody has room to talk, but here they are talking. Um, So that's that on Potomac. Let's move on to Atlanta. So in Atlanta, Cynthia kept her original wedding date that Candy helped her come up with last season, the 10-10-20. And her and Mr. Hill got married in Atlanta. They had 250 guests. Some people had on masks and shields. Some people did not. Um, And it looked like it was in some type of pseudo outdoor thing, like a tent or something like that. They haven't shown all the pictures yet. I think people had the exclusive on um, her wedding. So it looks like the other castmates, other castmates were there, um, excluding Nini, who, of course, did not come. Uh, There wasn't really any coordination between the bridesmaids. It looks like everybody was just told to wear white. And um, I don't know what the shoes were doing. Some people had on gold. Some people had on silver. Um, You know, yeah. So I guess it wasn't that formal. It was just kind of wear something white and come. And um, Cynthia had about four to six dresses. I couldn't even count the number of dresses that Cynthia had because every time I saw the coverage, there was a different dress that she had on. I mean, it looked like it was very nice and they looked very, very happy. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed knowing Cynthia is a top model and everything she serves. You know, she usually serves looks. I just wasn't happy with any of the six four to six dresses that I saw I just didn't feel like they complimented her body type or that she looked you know like a regal bride I kind of just wasn't here for her looks but I'm very here for their union and I'm happy they were able to still get married in the pandemic and it looks like do it kind of safely um for those that were able to wear shields or masks or whatever they did so Um, congratulations, Cynthia and Mike. I wish you nothing but the best. And maybe they can take a few more pictures with dresses I like more. I don't know. All right, let's move on to New York. Um, so New York cast their first black housewife. She's a lawyer. Um, she's been on the Wendy Williams show. She's been on ETV. She does like a lot of the entertainment correspondence type stuff. So she should be a fun addition. And I hope she's not the last. I hope they continue to shake up all of these series because some of them have gotten kind of flat and, you know, they need to be boosted. So I hope they add another cast member to NYC and maybe get rid of one of the others that are there because like that, that's just one of the franchises where they are continuously drunk and continuously a mess. So they need to kind of clean that up. Um, and then my favorite new coming, um, franchise, Salt Lake city, um, Salt Lake city, Utah is getting a housewives y'all. And these women are all the way crazy. So Salt Lake City is known for the Mormon church. There's tons of Mormon people that uh, practice the Mormon faith in Salt Lake City. So there will be a couple of Mormon ladies on the show. There's also going to be a Pentecostal woman, a Jewish woman, a, and a, a lady who is converting to Muslim, uh, Islam. Sorry, she's Muslim or, you know, going to be Muslim. And she's going to be converting to Islam. 
And it looks like there's just tons of lies, betrayal. There's something with incest. One of them, uh, their husband is on drugs. Another one, uh, the husband is going to leave mid-season. So there's a lot going on. And um, it seems like they are definitely all the way for the crazy shenanigans that we love to see on Housewives. So I'm really interested to watch this new season. The super trailer is out now. Um, on Bravo TV if you want to look into Salt Lake City as well as any of the other franchises they're all on the um, Bravo TV website as well as the Bravo TV Instagram and Facebook page this has been our trending topics for this week please stay tuned for our sports report hello 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 out there this is Jay Rob with the sports update we will be covering week five of the NFL and also the NBA finals let's start with the NBA finals the Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Miami Heat three games to two the Heat battled hard but the combination of LeBron James and Anthony Davis was too much this is LeBron James's fourth NBA title LeBron has won titles with three different teams Rajon Rondo became the second player in NBA history to win titles with both the Lakers and the Celtics. Let's move now to week five of the NFL. There's a game tonight. There's a game tonight. Uh, the Buffalo Bills will play the Tennessee Titans at 7 o'clock on CBS. The last time there was a game held on a Tuesday night was December 28, 2010 when the Philadelphia Eagles played the Minnesota Vikings. That game was moved from a Sunday night to a Tuesday due to a blizzard. Getting back to this current season, the Denver Broncos were supposed to play the New England Patriots, but that game was postponed due to a Patriots player testing positive for COVID-19. The New Orleans Saints defeated the Los Angeles Chargers. The Saints move to first place in the NFC South. The Steelers beat the Philadelphia Eagles. The Steelers improved to 4-0 on the season. The Panthers defeated the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are 0-5. Ownership of the Falcons has decided to fire both the coach and the general manager. The Ravens beat the, beat the Bengals. The, this AFC North matchup was a complete domination because the Ravens won by 24 points. The Texans defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars. The head coach of the Texans, Romeo Cornell, became the oldest head coach to win a game. He is 73 years young. The Raiders upset the Kansas City Chiefs. The AFC West battle is heating up. The Cardinals beat the New York Jets. The Jets fall to 0-5 on the season. The Rams beat the Washington football team. Alex Smith made his comeback after breaking his leg on November 18th, 2018. The Dolphins upset the 49ers. Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 350 yards along with three touchdown passes. The Cleveland Browns defeated the Indianapolis Colts. The Browns haven't started 4-1 since 1994. The Dallas Cowboys beat the New York Giants. Dak Prescott fractured his ankle and is out four to six months. The Seahawks defeated the Minnesota Vikings. The Seahawks were down 13-0 at the half, but quarterback Russell Wilson of the Seahawks led the Seahawks all the way back to win the game. The Bears beat the Buccaneers. The Bears start the season 4-1. and one. Over the last 10 seasons, NFL teams that start 4-1 and one have made the playoffs 
playoffs 85% of the time. Uh, this is the first week that there was a bye. The Packers and the Lions had a bye week, so they did not play. And this has been your sports update. Have a great week. Okay, beauties, we're going to get into my favorite part of the show, and today's is a little more serious, um, and uh, it's definitely something that we need to speak about. So today's deep dive is going to be about the hashtag and SARS. So as being part of the diaspora, which just means that as an African-American, I'm part of a larger group of people that are descendant from Africa, I think it's important that I talk about something that's going on um, with Nigerian youth that also uh, affects all of us and how we look at law enforcement and the people that are supposed to protect us and keep us safe as a society, but end up not always meeting that mark. So let's just talk about what SARS is. SARS is an anti-robbery squad um, that was assembled in 1992 to protect civilians from robbers. So just generally, as I speak about this topic, obviously I um, am not in Nigeria. I'm not on the ground. I don't know everything that's going on there, but I'm just going to talk about what the movement is about and what people that are in Nigeria are saying about what is going on. So, um, I get, I'm guessing that in the eighties and nineties, there was a robbery issue in Nigeria and the residents were really complaining about not being able to be safe on the streets. They needed something to be done with, uh, the robbery and the issues that were going on. And I liken this to any big city, because if you can think back to the eighties and nineties, um, in New York City, in you know LA, there was a lot of things that were going on. And for instance, in New York City, Rudy Giuliani um, had to come in and really clean up and gut a lot of what was New York City to make it into what it is today, a lot safer and cleaner and more touristy than how it used to be um, back in the 80s and 90s. So I think a similar thing was happening here. And just like in New York, they had to get all these tough on crime cops to basically walk the beat back and forth all day and night and really, you know, clean up what was going on there. Well, this was also happening in Nigeria. And because of it, this anti-robbery squad began to abuse their power, um, harass, harassing, robbing, beating, raping, killing, and kidnapping Nigerian youth, who seem to have wealth. So it looks like what was going on is there were something going on um, with the people that were on the robbery squad and feeling like a jealousy towards young Nigerians who seem to have like labels like Nike, Prada, Adidas, just any kind of labels and iPhones or things that, you know, that they would think are symbols of wealth. Whenever they would see these items on a Nigerian youth, they would think that they stole them and they would begin to harass them to either take the item or see if they can get money out of them or extort them. Um, some people have reported just having to open up their bank account apps or open up their wallets or whatever they had on them and give them over to the police force. So they're basically, you know, shaking people down. Um, if that's a term that you understand, they're basically like telling people, if you don't give me this now, I'm, I'm going to rob you. The, the robbery squad began to rob people. 
And and this abuse of power is similar to the U.S. Like I was saying, you know, this kind of the only way to get rid of crime is to be extremely tough on crime. So the government is encouraging, you know, the police force and law enforcement to get out there and be tough on crime, protect our citizens. But it ended up flipping now because these are Nigerian citizens that are getting harassed and um, abused by this um this robbery squad that's just supposed to be protecting other people from getting robbed and abused um so the the you know the movement is basically calling for the disband of SARS and they want it to be disbanded because they feel as though they're not doing the job that they were set up to do they're just harassing people and making it even worse for those that live there that that don't have anything to do with any type of criminal element they're just young people living their lives in a bigger city and they don't want to be harassed anymore and they want SARS to be disbanded. Well, the government came back and said they put too much resources and funding into SARS to even think about completely disbanding it, but that they want a reform of SARS. So I just think this is important to take a second and stop and think about this issue, lend our voices to this movement because you know, these youth feel extremely isolated. It's hard to be a young person in a big city that's part of a big country, that's part of a huge continent, especially when people don't really view your issues. I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement is somehow controversial, but I can't even get into that because it's just so layered. But to think that at least people hear us and see us and we feel that support across countries where people are finally stopping to take a second to think about systemic racism and what it's done to us as a people and what it continues to do to us as a people as we reach out of this oppression. So I can only imagine how it feels when you've been talking about this since 2017. Here it is now, 2020, finally picking up some type of speed and national recognition because for some reason we just don't really care a black about black and brown countries and what's going on there it's almost like if it's a third world country we just don't really care um to know what's happening with them what's going on with them what are their movements like and if we can even try to lend our voice to what's going on there so um i didn't find any Uh, links you can donate to, but I'm sure if you search GoFundMe's like we talked about in past episodes, try to find the ones that are raising a lot of money and where people are actually responding under the comments um, to see, you know, which ones are, are valid, which ones aren't. And just Google, try to do your research to see which ones, if those are, if that's something you'd like to donate to or just share a post or just tweet about it anything to kind of get it out there and just let these teens and youth, um, young people in Nigeria know that they do have the support, um, throughout the diaspora and just throughout the the nation and throughout the world of people that really care about what's going on with them and, and refuse to allow this kind of miscarriage of law enforcement to go on any longer. 
we have to unite and stand up against evils, whether it's here, there, or anywhere, if we really want world peace. You're not going to get it just by getting things a little better in the U.S. will never trickle down to other countries. We really have to be actively involved in helping in any way that we can. And it doesn't have to be financial. Like I said, you could just share a post. You could just write something. You could share something that gives details. You know, I saw a lot of cool posts where I got a lot of information for today's deep dive, which is Instagram post, what's going on in Nigeria? What is SARS? What are they asking for? What has been happening? And if you just share those types of things, that's the kind of information that we need to get out. And I understand we're we're in the middle of an election. We're in the middle of our own crisis. But like I said, this is how you really get results is to not always be consumed about what's happening in the U.S. Even though there's tons that is happening in the U.S., you also have to be concerned about, you know, helping wherever you can. It takes two seconds to tweet, you know, and just five seconds to care. You know what I mean? It's a hundred percent free to be a decent person. So if you can, um, post something about something on your social media today about SARS, and I'll be a thousand percent glad that you did, as well as those people that are in Nigeria suffering right now from um this cruelty that is going on with them. So this has been the deep dive today. Please stay tuned for our outro comments. Hello, my beauties. This is my least favorite part of the podcast where I have to say goodbye to you. I just want to thank you all for listening and thank you for listening to the bonus episode where I talked about a lot of um, interesting, entertaining podcasts that you should be listening to um, or at least give them a chance to see if it's something that you'd like. They're amazing small creators just like myself and it would mean the world to them and me if you gave those podcasts a chance as well. Um, as always, arrest the cops that killed Brianna Taylor. We won't stop until she gets the justice that she deserves. I hope you have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. And I love you for listening. Bye.